Welcome to Impact Duty. I'm your host, Manisha Dadlani Kriplani, bringing you empowering stories of friends and people I admire. Their voices have given me joy and the momentum to share their stories with you. Anuja Kemathrai Hinduja is an ex-advertising and event marketing manager, a teacher, an entrepreneur with her husband Rajiv. Her traumatic experience with abdominal tuberculosis and her story of survival is miraculous. She shares her story with us today on Impact GT. Anuja Kemathrai Hinduja, welcome to Impact GT. How are Thank you? Thank you. I'm alive. I'm fabulous. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to our conversation, Anuja. Um, you've been through a tremendous journey, um, falling short of being miraculous, or in my eyes, an actual miracle. So um, looking forward to our conversation today. Likewise, but before likewise. that, before that, I'm going to actually ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself in your words. A little bit about myself, other than being a complete drama queen and living <laughs> to tell the tale. <laughs> um, so largely, I'm an ex-advertising person turned university professor turned entrepreneur. Wow. Wow. That's a beautiful nutshell uh, description of yourself. And like <laughs> I said, the reason we're here today is because you've had a journey back to health, literally a journey back to health. It's been back a crazy life. journey back, back to, to life. life. Exactly. From from death back to life. So I'm going to take you to that journey. Um, this happened about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. So please tell us your story, Anuja. You know, weirdly, Manisha, this is the second time that I've tricked death in my life. I don't know whether you actually know that. Uh, no. So the first time I tricked death was when I was 13 years old. Um, it was right after my brother and my sister got married. And I was, I fell extremely ill and I was in hospital for almost a month. Uh, right. And the doctors had no idea even then what was going on with me because right. it ended up being a really rare case of having jaundice, typhoid and malaria all together. Wow. So when that happens, the fun part is, is that you can't be medicated because everything is messed up with jaundice, typhoid and malaria. So one day you have jaundice symptoms, one day you have typhoid symptoms, and on the third day you have malarial symptoms, and they can't do anything about it. So it took them a while at that point of time to even figure it out. And the only thing that they could put me on at that point of time was the drip. Mm. And uh, I survived that one. And um, as you rightfully said, I managed to trick death the second time around uh, last year. Tell us. I, where do I even begin with the story? Um, so in around, okay, let me start by saying I'm a person, because of that incident when I was 13 years old, I hated doctors. Mm. I absolutely despised going to the doctor. The thought of an injection or a medication, anything. It was just something that I ran as far away from as possible. And luckily for me, touch wood, I mean, in all those years, I had never had anything more than a common cold that I could just take paracetamol and, and be done with it. Right. So when I started getting sick, um, this would be in uh, September odd of 2022. I didn't even have a GP. Mm -hmm. Oh. Okay. So let's just put it to that level that I didn't even 
have a GP. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous to most people that how can you not have a GP? But I didn't because I was shying away from doctors for so many years that I didn't have one. And my childhood GP had become too old and um, let's just say not as with it, you know, uh, as possible. So when I started feeling a bit ill, uh, I'll be honest with you. And I lied to my husband. I lied to my mother. I lied to my in-laws. I lied to everyone around me for a while. I knew something was was wrong. Okay. I knew. Did you it. lie to yourself? I was, uh, I don't know whether I was lying to myself, but I was, I was in denial. Let me, let me just mm. put it that way. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want to deal with it. And mm -hmm. I was in denial with myself, thinking that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. This is, you know, I, I thought I had a, um, an upset stomach. Like sometimes when you travel, you get a bit of a gastro issue. And, you know, you these things happen when you travel. And Rajiv founded, Rajiv, my husband, founded really odd because we were in London. And we were at all my favorite restaurants with my favorite foods. And I just couldn't eat. I would have one bite. I would say I'm full. And I was regurgitating and you know it was it was there was something wrong I knew mm -hmm. there was something wrong and I was lying to him yeah, yes you're right I was lying to myself mm -hmm. I was in denial with myself um, and I just kept hiding mm -hmm. uh, came to a point when I came back from London a friend of mine came over and she uh, by that point of time my stomach had started to um get bigger. I looked like I was mm -hmm. pregnant, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. started hiding mm -hmm. that by wearing a lot of jackets and oversized clothes, again, hiding from the world. And it so happened that for some reason, um, she touched me on my mm -hmm. stomach and she was like, what the hell is going on? And that's when I realized that I couldn't really hide anymore. And this was mm -hmm. just, I think, um, a day or two before Diwali in twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Diwali day, uh, we came to the office to do the Lakshmi Puja. Mm -hmm. And I put my feet back into my shoe. Oh, and dear. that's when, <laughs> that's when um, shit hit the fan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, being Diwali, there was no doctor open. There was no clinic open. There was nothing we could do. Uh, made a bunch of phone calls at night trying to find who to go to as a GP. Mm -hmm. So I heard mm -hmm. of this one GP that was close to the house. I'd heard decent things about him. So mm -hmm. we decided to go to him. Mm -hmm. The next morning, packed our bags, went to the GP. And of course, he didn't know my medical history. He knew nothing about me. He had never met me before. Mm -hmm. So of course, he started with the complete uh, blood work, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's as any GP would do. Let me know if I'm talking too much. Yeah, then I'll try. And no, but I have, a, I have a many, many questions as we go along. Um, were you Googling anything while uh, no. while all this was happening? No, okay, no. so you had no idea what your diagnosis was going to be? No, I had absolutely no idea. You had no inclination? You had no idea what this could be? Were you looking no. up anything on the no. internet? No. Okay, and um, <clears throat> in all this time, you, your stomach was expanding and your appetite was still uh, zero. at a minimum. Oh, wow, zero. Okay, mm -hmm. all right, zero. carry on. Uh, Okay, so anyway, to cut a long story short, we did the blood work and that night the blood work reports came back, okay? Right. And um, I'm used to reading medical reports because I've looked after my father for many years, so I'm very familiar with reading blood work. 
Mm-hmm. And when the blood work came, I looked at it and I said, holy shit. Okay. And I kept quiet and Rajiv just disappeared. And he went into hiding into the study uh, with his computer and started Googling all the reports and what they meant. And I knew mm-hmm. I was in for serious deep shit when he came out of that room. Not really. Because my CA 125 marker, which is a cancer marker, was over 954, I think, if I remember correctly. And I think the normal range is 0 to 12, if I remember correctly. Ouch. Ouch. Mm-hmm. I knew uh, shit was going to hit the fan that night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True enough, we went back to the doctor the next day with the report. And I looked at the doctor and he looked at the report. And I looked at him and I said, Doc, um, don't sugarcoat anything for me. I know how to read blood work. I know, I know what it says. So what next? Mm-hmm. 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 So at that point of time, we then, for some odd reason, and I can't remember why, but for some reason, with all my symptoms, they thought it was ovarian cancer. Right. Mm-hmm. So they sent me into this scan, which is like an MRI machine, but it's a, it's a fast superior MRI machine where they inject you with radioactive material uh, when they put you in this machine. Now, the fun part is, and this is what no one tells you, when they inject you with this shit, and uh, sorry if I'm going to use words or language in this show that is inappropriate to some people, but they basically tell, they don't tell you that you're going to piss your, you're going to piss yourself in the machine, mm, mm. which is fun, right? I mean, I mean, who doesn't like pissing themselves in a machine? Anyway, the report came back inconclusive. Oh, To cut a long story short, uh, they then decided that I needed to be hospitalized because that water in my stomach is what they call acetous, uh, started becoming very, very uncomfortable and breathing became a little bit of an issue. Right. So I was admitted into a hospital in Bombay, which I shall not name, um, under a leading oncologist who I shall also not name. Not name. (laughs) He, He whose name shall not be taken. At a hospital, exactly. name shall not be taken uh, under a leading oncologist where they basically, okay, helped me with my acetus, um, mm-hmm. removed almost mm-hmm. five liters uh, of liquid from my stomach. Now, mm-hmm. when you're removing this liquid from the stomach, what you're basically doing is removing pure protein from your body. Mm-hmm. So you're the protein mass and the chances of you dying because of lack of protein is high. Okay. Oh, Dear. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting to note at this point of time, uh, I went completely off any kind of social media and uh, I went completely cold, uh, mm-hmm. completely, mm-hmm. completely cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went completely cold and I did that because we didn't know what was going on and we didn't know what to say and there was no point worrying the world and them asking questions for which we had no answers. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, and I'm sorry, this... you were kept in the cold as well at that point of time. But yes, I'm sorry, but I mean, it was a decision that I took um, because I didn't have answers to give. Okay, that's that's what I wanted to. So, at this point, till this point, we're still thinking that it's it may cancer. be ovarian cancer. We're right. still thinking. Cancer, ovarian cancer in that direction. Am I right, Anuja? Correct. Okay. So now I've gone for the second scan mm-hmm. where they checked me and I pissed my pants again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Comes back inconclusive. All biopsies came back inconclusive. 
So the oncologist says, let's have some fun. Let's cut you up. So much to my, anyway, to cut a long story short, I wasn't given a choice and I was put into uh, surgery and they cut me up and took out parts of my ovaries and sent it for what they call freeze biopsy. Manisha, this is where it gets fun, right? 20 minutes later, they go back to my family waiting outside and say, it's not cancer. We don't know what's wrong with her. And I never saw the doctor again in my life. So he, he just... He disappeared. He whose name shall not be taken, okay? I never saw the guy again. By now, I'm 35 kgs or under, because actually by the time they got me to stand up, I was just under 35 kgs. Um, there was nothing left in me. Nothing, okay? So we still don't know what's wrong with me. And I'm lying there on a hospital bed under 35 kgs, unable to stand, unable to walk, unable to do anything, just lying mm -hmm. there. And I become mm -hmm. like an episode of any medical drama that you've ever watched on Netflix or on television, like Dr. House mm -hmm. or Grey's Anatomy, where there's a patient lying there on a bed and you have these teams of doctors that are coming into the room and going, oh, what are the symptoms, blah, 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 blah. And you have all the students standing there behind taking <laughs> And looking at you like, you know, like you're a specimen, you know, in this in this hospital room. And it's awful. That's when people started coming to visit. And they all looked at me with what I call the look of death. It was like they were coming to say goodbye. Okay. That I couldn't take. That's when I turned around and I said, no visitors, please. I started calling a person to give me a massage every day at visiting hours. So my family would be standing outside the door at visiting hours saying, sorry, but she's having a massage and she doesn't want any visitors, please. Thank you very much for coming, but please go away. Because that look of death, I couldn't bear. I, I couldn't bear to see it in anyone's eyes. And it's, it's not nice. And I'm telling your listeners today that if ever they're going to visit someone in a hospital or in an old age home, or if a person is unwell, be compassionate, be empathetic. Mm -hmm empathetic don't look at someone with with the look of death because the patient can see it and can feel it mm -hmm. otherwise sure. don't go don't go mm -hmm. it's okay if you can't mm -hmm. deal with it, some people that can't deal with it it's okay don't go but don't mm -hmm. go and look at a person like they're about to die mm -hmm. you're giving mm -hmm. you're giving the patient you're making them feel worse about themselves leave mm -hmm. it i have a mirror i know what i look like mm -hmm. i don't need to be reminded by the look in your eyes that i look like shit Anyway, so now we still don't know what's wrong with me. And then are you home or are you are you a home or are you still in the still in the, I'm hospital? In the hospital? I'm in the hospital. I was I was in and out of hospital <clears throat> three times over the entire span of those three months. Uh, but I was in the hospital. This is right after I've come out of my surgery where they've cut me up. Mm -hmm. And what I would call the hand of God, uh, two hands of God actually. One was the head of radiology at the so-called hospital, which shall not be named. And finally, the doctor that I decided to allow to treat me, uh, mm -hmm. him I will name. Um, his name is Dr. Heman Thakkar. He's the man that saved my life. And him and the head of radiology put me back into the machine with in which you piss your pants and came back and unanimous, unanimously said, that it was tuberculosis of the abdomen. Mm -hmm. 
Oh. So you finally got a diagnosis after how long? How long from start to finish? From two the time you start? Two, two and a half, three months. Okay. So now, <clears throat> so now they start me on the treatment. Okay. For mm -hmm. tuberculosis of the abdomen. And they send me home for two weeks and say, come back in two weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it's going. So they put me on this medication and it was really fun. Do you know what a, a bag of Cheetos looks like? No, for sure. Yes. Imagine that because... in your Oof. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Do you know what uh, the color neon orange looks like? The Cheetos. Well, neoner than that. Oh dear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think you you got you get the drift of, of what I I'm get. saying. Yes. You get the drift. Mm -hmm. So I go back in two weeks, um, hoping that you know everything's all good, right? I mean, I'm diagnosed. I'm on the medication. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh no. The drugs that they put me on gave me drug-induced jaundice. So now oh. I'm here. I look like a Simpson. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So now I'm back in the hospital being weaned off the drugs that they gave me for uh, tuberculosis of the abdomen. They're weaning me off that and testing another drug on. So now I start that drug, I get weaned off the first drug and I start the next drug, but the next drug includes a very interesting um, line of treatment, which are 45 injections in your bum, left bum, right bum, left bum, right bum, left bum, right bum. Oh, so, I the next, so I spent the next two months basically unable to sit on my ass and sitting on ice packs and um, I'm suffering the, with the consequences of those injections even today. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, um, mm -hmm. It's killed the circulation to my feet. Uh, I have um, peripheral neuropathy because of it. So mm -hmm. I can't wear heels anymore. I can only wear sneakers. I had to relearn how to walk. Um, you know those elastic exercise bands that people exercise with? You know the ones with the tension? Mm -hmm. So I have multiple of those bands tied all over the house. So there was one tied to my coffee table to help me get up from a lying position to a sitting position because I physically couldn't lift myself. I had one tied in the bathroom to help me get off the pot. Um, mm. More people have seen me naked in the last uh, one year than, than, I, than, I, than I can even, than you can even imagine. Okay, then I had I needed help to shower. I had I needed help to to go to the bathroom. I needed help to stand up. I had forgotten how to walk. Um, I had to relearn how to walk. Um, all the fun stuff happened, but you know, Manisha, that drug finally worked, right? But it's a, it was a nine month long process, which meant um, I had to be in isolation for the entire time. Um, I was in isolation for pretty much a year, um, and that's. Even that wasn't the hardest part. We'll come back to the isolation bit and how I dealt with, with being isolated for one year. And the reason for isolation is because I could not afford to get even a cough or a cold or any kind of a secondary infection from anywhere else, right? So isolation was the only way to go. It was worse than COVID. My own mother couldn't come within five feet of me. My own husband mm -hmm. couldn't come five feet of me. Mm -hmm. no, one, no one was allowed to come anywhere close to me. I, I didn't touch another human being for a year. Um, 
completely like I, like not even touch like n- nothing you know what i mean there was zero physical contact with anybody for a year that's trying i don't that's trying to say the least oh no 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 manisha that wasn't <clears throat> the fun part at all i mean this that was easy that was that was the easy part that that's that's fine okay i dealt with that 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 wasn't the, the hard part the mm. fun part was when i lost all my hair mm. when the hair fell out that's when i broke throughout that entire time i never once said why me never never ever ever i don't believe mm-hmm. in the why me boo mm-hmm. why me I, I, that's not me mm-hmm. never been me it will never be me that's not my that's not that's not me mm-hmm. but the hair falling out i would wake mm-hmm. up earlier in the morning than normal just to brush my hair and i would see the clumps of hair mm-hmm. in my hand and i didn't want my husband or the maids in the house to see how much hair i was losing and i would actually go and throw it in the dustbin before anyone even woke up because i, I knew what i was seeing and i didn't want them to see what i was going through with losing my own hair and that was traumatic losing the hair was that was like seriously god after everything you're taking the hair i mean you you know you took sorry so that was the the hard part the hair it's come back <clears throat> back and i've been lucky he he's given me better hair after this entire thing um, uh-huh. he's mm-hmm. actually given me better hair now still trying to grow Uh, i was known for my hair yes um, you you are you were mhm mhm so that was tough yeah mm-hmm. but uh, honestly i mean the reason i'm also sharing this story is there may be a lot of people out there that are put into isolation and i want to tell them how i dealt with it because mm-hmm. people were amazed at the way i was dealing with being isolated and mm-hmm. they couldn't get over the fact that i wasn't watching netflix um mm-hmm. wasn't watching movies my tv would wouldn't come on until rajiv came home from work in the night which was mm-hmm. my normal schedule that you don't sit and watch tv in the middle of the afternoon i mean that's not what normal people do right i mean you go to work or you you do what you have to do during the day sure in the evening you know at the end of the day you put the news on you watch a little bit of netflix you watch a movie that's normal and i needed to maintain that sense of normalcy in my in my daily life um you did while being isolated <clears throat> and i learned one thing um luckily very very early on in the entire um illness which was if you keep your hands busy mm-hmm. your mind is calm okay mm-hmm. the busier you keep your hands with doing something with your hands the mind goes into a state of calmness okay and mm-hmm. it stops thinking so mm-hmm. i started doing things with my hand like i remember my hand would be um attached to this drip and sometimes even tied to the pillow because i had no veins left in my hands uh they were so swollen that there was there were no veins and they would struggle to find a vein to even put the the iv drip into and they would tie my hand to the pillow and tell me you're not allowed to move the left hand at all like not even half an inch here and there it just had to stay like that 
and they were tired. And with my right hand um, on the hospital um, tray would be my coloring book and my coloring pens. And I would sit there and color. And the doctors and the nurses would come in and look at my coloring and go, what are you doing? I said, I'm coloring. And they're like, why? I said, well, you want me to sit here and complain to you or do you want me to shut up and color? <laughs> and it became a thing that twice a day, all the doctors and nurses would come into my room just to see my progress of my coloring, okay, in the hospital. So when I was isolated at home, I continued coloring. And I then got a calling in my head, um, which told me that I need to write the entire Holy Gita from cover to cover. And I picked up the Holy Gita. I sent my mom to buy me a notebook and some pens. And every day I would just sit there and read and write the entire Holy Gita. When I first started, because I was so weak, my hands would shake and my handwriting was just God awful. But I persisted and I said, you know what? It doesn't matter what the handwriting looks like. It's the dedication and keeping the mind at peace by doing this entire exercise sitting and writing the entire Holy Gita. I used to color, as I said. I then did embroidery. I did beading. I did various activities. And my house help that was with me at the time uh, and is with me, and she really helped me through this entire process. The two of us would sit and do things together. So we would embroider together. We would sequence together. We would just sit together, you know, and she almost became like my best friend. You know what I mean? In the house, we would sit and chit chat. We would talk. We would laugh. You know what I mean? We would just do things together, whether it was coloring, whether it was doing diamond painting, whether it was doing whatever it was. It didn't matter. But it was just like the two of us were there together and just spending quality time with one another, just keeping our our morals high, our moods, you know, in check. And, and that was that. And I highly recommend to anyone that's being isolated or or even alone, just Pick up a coloring book. I highly recommend the Johanna Basford coloring books. They're great. Pick them up. Pick up a pair of color pencils. Pick up a pen. It doesn't matter if you go outside the lines. It doesn't matter if it's not free. Just do it. Just mm -hmm. keep your mind calm. Keep your mind at ease. That's mm -hmm. that's what's that's what's important. Mm -hmm. um, and at that point of time, you have to also keep in mind that weight was still a major issue for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always been thin, as you know. Mm -hmm. I've never I've mm -hmm. never really been. Um, overweight or plump or fat. Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. me, putting on weight has always been a mega, mega issue. And I remember mm -hmm. the day that I hit 40 kgs. It was like, it was, I, it was the happiest day of my life. I was just like, wow, I, you know, I did it. I reached 40 kilos and it was like, everyone was like, hey, you want weight? Take a couple of my kilos, take, take my weight, take my weight. And I was like, I wish it was that easy, but putting on weight for me is hard. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm still... Just about 0.6 kgs that I checked day before yesterday. But um, I'm trying to put on weight slowly so that the weight sticks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll get there. I'll get there. Well, It takes time, you know. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it is It is what it is, you know. Yeah. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what to say. I yeah. So, oh, you know who my other best friend was during that entire period of time, believe it or not? Tell me. One woman at the BMC department. Oh, <laughs> tell me, tell me. So, 
so all TB patients in India are a statistic. So they're trying to eradicate TB as much as they can. And remind me to come back to you about the Australian visa. Yeah, I need to come to talk to you um, in general about stomach TB. Okay, but we'll we'll come to that in a short while. But tell me about um, your BMC companion. So I would get a phone call every two weeks from the BMC and they would send me money every month for my medication. Okay, from your taxpayers money to make sure that I actually was taking medication because TB is considered quite taboo in India. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just wanted to make sure that, I, I, and it's a nine month process. Now, nine months is a long period of time for you to be popping pills and taking 45 injections. It's not fun, for sure. easy, no. and it's a long period of time. So she would actually call me every two weeks and say, are you taking your medication? Do you need psychological help? Do you need me to sit and talk to you? Do you want me? It was incredible. So I remember on September the 5th, 2023, which was the day that uh, Dr. Thakkar, the man who saved my life, uh, finally said that I was done with my medication and I was free. The first phone call I made was not to my mother, was not to my mother-in-law, was not to anybody. It was to the girl at BMC. And I told her, I'm done. Thank you. You don't need to call me no more. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. And Anuja, like you said, going back to the, not just the physical aspects of such a harsh or such a um, traumatizing, traumatizing uh, disease. You said the mental part was probably the hardest that you had to face. I want to draw us back to that. And how important is a support system? And tell us more about what you did to be able to um, handle the situation mentally. Because like you said, there was isolation involved. You probably went to a very low point before you were able to emerge or find the tools to take you out of this. Okay, this, yes. this is... Okay, this is where I'm going to discuss a topic which might be considered taboo in India. But um, a cousin of mine, um, who's like a brother to me, uh, we were literally born 30 days apart and we've done everything all our lives together, whether it was learning to crawl, learning to walk, going to school, going to college, exactly the same age. And he was getting married. And there I was lying on a hospital bed, unable to go to his wedding. And I think that was the only weekend that I broke, okay? Because I, I couldn't believe that I wasn't there at the wedding. I was like, this is this is unreal. I mean, how can I not be there at this wedding? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, I sent my mom to Delhi for the wedding. I forced her to go. And I said, you have to go. If I'm not there, you have to go. And I sent her. And I remember I bored uh, that entire weekend because... The internet in so-called hospital was not good enough for me to even do a video call with uh, my cousin. And I remember crying and I remember calling the doctor and saying, I need to talk to you. And he said, what is it? I said, listen, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I think I'm going to get depressed. I want an antidepressant and I want it now. So I asked for help that weekend and immediately put myself, of course, under medical supervision, they prescribed it to me. They put me on, of course, sleeping tablets and they put me on antidepressants. I'm proud to tell you I've kicked both of them. I'm not on them anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. I did take them for, I would say almost 
I probably took them for a year. Okay, both the sleeping tablets and the <clears throat> sleeping tablets I kicked earlier, but the antidepressant I kicked a little bit later, but I did kick it. But I want to say this out loud. There is no harm in asking for help. There's no harm in taking an antidepressant. There's no harm taking a sleeping pill if you need the help to sleep. There's no harm even talking about it. I Thank took you. it. I took it. And I took it because I needed the help. And there's mm -hmm. no harm medically asking for help. And there's no harm. There's, a, there's nothing taboo about it. And mm -hmm. I kicked mm -hmm. it. I kicked it because I chose to kick it. I kicked it because I didn't feel the need for it anymore. So I stopped it. Mm -hmm. But I took mm -hmm. it for when I needed it. And that's okay. Thank you. You know, that, that's really okay. Go ahead and mm -hmm. take it if you need it. I mean, honestly, I think the whole world should take it, uh, should take a um, antidepressant every every day. The world will be a happier place. <laughs> bless you, Anuja. Bless you. And now over to generally talking about um, stomach TB. How rare is it? I mean, tuberculosis. Okay, let me let me also say one more thing. While tuberculosis is the most common tuberculosis is the tuberculosis of the lungs, which is when right. you say TB, everyone associates TB with you have tuberculosis of the lungs, and that is extremely contagious, which is why mm -hmm. it's so taboo, right? Mm -hmm. You can get tuberculosis of any part of your body. You can get tuberculosis mm -hmm. of the lymph. You can get tuberculosis of the eyes, the ears, any part of your body, you can get tuberculosis. So it's mm -hmm. an underlying... So in my case, um, I was actually born with the gene. Okay, mm -hmm. of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. When they did the the analysis later, I was actually it was passed on to me at birth, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it should have remained dormant, or it should have been activated when I was under the age of five, but it remained dormant throughout my entire life. And what I'm going to say here has not been medically proven. It mm -hmm. is my point of view. Okay, what mm -hmm. I am saying. I repeat, mm -hmm. it is not medically proven. I'm telling you my belief and my point of view. I personally believe that the COVID vaccines messed me up. Okay. I personally believe that there was no reason for this gene to have been activated. And it has to be the COVID vaccine. There is nothing mm -hmm. or no other reason anyone could give me mm -hmm. medically. So it's my belief system that that's what mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's right. that. But mm -hmm. it is what and it is. And do you think that's the reason why it was really hard to diagnose and they kept... Um, no, they I'll kept... tell you why. I'll tell you why. So tuberculosis of the abdomen mimics ovarian cancer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, because the cancer marker was so high the, and because I was treat, being treated under an oncologist, he was only looking for cancer. Mm -hmm. okay? that, that was his mm -hmm. know-all and end-all, which is why the so-called doctor who shall not be named disappeared after cutting me up and leaving me to die on a hospital bed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see? So, yeah. That's the reason. That's the reason. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> how have you been able to maintain health now? What's your, what's a, one or two tools you can give us on, on how you... Listen to your body. Don't be in denial. Don't lie to yourself. All the things that I did to myself, don't do it. Be mm -hmm. honest. Don't lie. Mm -hmm. Don't be in denial. Mm -hmm. Honestly. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And you've just come back from a fabulous wedding. 
Um, yeah. So you've made a long distance journey. You've had your oh no 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 no, Manisha. Actually, oh. uh, the first long distance journey that I was allowed to take after this illness was actually for my birthday in the month of May of twenty twenty three, and the agenda of that trip uh, was multifold. Of course, it was my birthday and my husband's birthday, but the agenda of that trip was actually to relearn how to walk and to climb steps. Um, I had started walking like a duck. I had forgotten. No, most normal people walk like this, right? You lift your heel. You lift and your heel. That. Yeah. yeah. I had yeah. forgotten how to do that. So I was walking like this. Now in Bombay, right. there are no roads for you to walk on. So right. I flew to London um, to learn how to walk. And every time you have to take a piss in London, you're either going up one flight of steps or down one flight of steps. <clears throat> so it was the perfect city for me to learn how to walk and to climb steps. And of course, uh, a couple of really close friends flew down to London and we made a huge birthday celebration out of it and also to celebrate my being alive. Mm. But Beautiful. I'll tell you one more thing. Um, since you said that I went to Australia, I'm I'm now one of those people at the airport that you see being wheeled around on a wheelchair. It's great fun. <laughs> as you long get, as you look at it that way. You get through security, immigration, everything so quick. It's incredible. <laughs> Huh? There's no standing in lines, nothing. You cut the crew. You're just cutting the lines, going straight through. Even even for security check, you don't have to stand up. You just do this. <laughs> Great fun. More time in the lounge. Great. So, so I'm I'm one of those really people at the airports now. Yeah. And Anuja, what taboos would you like to break? Like you said, there is a lot. Um, there's a lot, but anybody here is the diagnosis tuberculosis and there is uh, the first thing we think is contagious so you proved that wrong that stomach tuberculosis so, so very, yeah. very quickly let me tell you um <clears throat> government gave me a very 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 hard time one of the main questions that they ask um on the form is have you had tuberculosis or do you have tuberculosis and again, they assume tuberculosis is tuberculosis of the lungs, which is contagious, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It took me almost 45 days to be able to convince the Australian government that I was not contagious, that I had completed my entire course and to be able to give mm -hmm. me a visa. I at one point stopped shopping for the wedding because I wasn't sure I was going to get a visa to be able to enter the country. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of, uh, th there still is a lot of taboo with um, mm -hmm. being a TB patient, but hey, I'm a statistic mm -hmm. now. And Anujan, now that you've gone through what you've gone through and had such a load of learnings, what would you like to share with us? And what would you like to see manifest in the near future in terms personally and professionally and otherwise? What would you like to see happen? Hmm. What would I like to see happen? I would, you know, it's it's just, it's so simple. It's just health, wealth, and happiness. That's all. It's it's as simple as that. It Everything just boils down to health, wealth, and happiness. Mm -hmm. That's it, mm -hmm. honestly. And, and gratitude, actually. I would add gratitude. Mm -hmm. The big old thank you. You know, mm -hmm. the big old thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't think people say thank you enough. I think, mm -hmm. I think... You need to say thank you. I mean, even to other human beings, even to God, even for the smallest thing, just say thank mm -hmm. you. How hard mm -hmm. is it?
just to look at God for a second and say, hey, thanks. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all it is, right? And random acts of kindness. That's the other thing mm -hmm. I, I believe in very, very strongly. It's so easy to just do a random act of kindness for someone else. It's so easy. I mean, it doesn't have to cost you anything. Even mm -hmm. let's say you're, you're walking down the street or you're in an elevator, just telling someone, hey, that jacket looks lovely on you or that color looks <laughs> lovely on you. It, it makes someone's day, right? That a complete stranger is saying something nice to you. How hard was that? And what did it cost you? It cost you nothing, right? Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. see an older person in a salon getting their hair done saying, you look absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. How hard is that? You made an old person's day by, by calling them gorgeous. Who doesn't like to hear that, that they're looking good or they're looking pretty or they're looking gorgeous or whatever? How hard is mm -hmm. that? <clears throat> it's simple. Just make someone's simple. day, make someone smile. That's all. Simple. And please don't look at people with eyes of death, ever. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Anuja. And with that, I'm going to say thank you so very much for sharing your story. If it can even impact anybody in even the slightest way, whether it's through um, knowledge, whether it's through uh, connectivity, whether it's through empowerment, or whether it's through an understanding of a journey of returning to health, in whichever way, big or small, I thank you for sharing your journey with us. Well, Manisha, even if one person is helped through this entire conversation, I think I've done my job. Even with that, I, and with honestly, that I did you goodbye. If any of your listeners ever need someone to talk to, I'm here to help them through their isolation journey or their health journey and nurse them back to health. Wonderful. Thank you, Anuja. I'm putting all your contact details through the, the episode. So um, your Instagram handle and... Um, other details will be here as uh, part of the interview. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Manisha. Thank you very, very much. I look forward to seeing you soon. Me too. Take care.